Amen. All right, thanks to the choir for that uh, anthem. And uh, spectacular music all day today from the prelude, and I've gotten a preview of the offertory. It's such a blessing to have you all leading us in worship. As we uh, turn to our scripture lesson this morning, uh, we'll be reading, uh, continuing our journey through Hebrews, we'll be reading from Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 22, a very, very short passage, and then we'll turn to uh, Genesis chapter 41, and we'll read uh, a story about the life of Joseph. So we'll have uh, two lessons today, from Hebrews 11 and from Genesis 41. But before we go to God's word, let's first go to God in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks for the blessing of sacrament, for your sign and seal of your love. And we give you thanks for the blessing of your word. We ask as we turn to scripture today that you would be here with us, that you would open our eyes, that we might see who you are and who you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first, our brief passage from Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to the word of God. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. Here ends the reading. I told you it was short. And our second uh, passage, a passage from the life of Joseph, Genesis chapter 41, verses 25 to 36. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is, as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we turn our attention now to your word, we ask that you would be with us wherever we are, that your spirit might move in us and among us and through us, that we might come to see who you are and who you are calling us to be. We ask that you would set aside any of the worries or cares or concerns of this past week or the anxiety about the week to come, that in these moments we might focus only on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joseph could see. This is, this is his gift. 
And Joseph could see things that others could not see. And he, he had this, this gift of vision. It's a gift that he didn't, he didn't learn. He didn't earn. It's something that God gave him. It's truly a gift. But this vision of Joseph's, it's, it's a lot more complex than it appears at first. You see, as we read from our passage this morning, uh, Joseph uh, was speaking to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh had had these dreams about uh, uh, small cattle swallowing up the healthy cattle and uh, small crops devouring the healthy crops. And Joseph, in uh, looking at these dreams, uh, God gave Joseph the ability to see the future through Pharaoh's dreams. And Joseph proclaimed this message about the future, and he explained to the Pharaoh that there were seven hard years ahead, that there were seven difficult years to come. And Joseph was able to see what was on the horizon. He, he was able to read the future. He was able to see what was about to happen. Joseph had this remarkable gift, this uncanny ability, this almost miraculous gift that was completely and utterly useless. I mean, really, when you look at this passage and you look at the life of Joseph, the ability to see the future, it's, it's, it's about useless. As we read this passage, uh, what, what happens next, uh, Joseph is able through his conversation with Pharaoh to, to save a lot of lives and to bless a lot of people, but it's not because he could see the future. In fact, seeing the future is really not all that unusual. It's not all that that rare. Think about the last time you went an entire month without hearing a prediction of the future. You, you can't do it. It, it. Maybe if a month is too hard, try to back it up to a week or even, even, even just a day. Think about the last time you went an entire day without hearing someone foretelling the future about politics or the weather or sports or the climate or the church. We love to look ahead at the horizon. We love to, to foretell the future. It's not a terribly rare gift, and it's, it's about useless. When we look back at Joseph's life, we see just how useless it really is. In fact, if we, we, we go way back to the, the very beginning of Joseph's story, we discover that Joseph is a man with a useless gift. One of the first things we learn about Joseph, it comes around Genesis 37. As we're introduced to Joseph, actually, the first thing we learn is that Joseph is a horrible tattletale. It's the very first thing the author tells us, that Joseph's favorite pastime is to watch what his brothers are and aren't doing and to run, tell his dad to get them in trouble. And um, it may come as no small uh, shock to you to discover his brothers, they didn't like that very much. And they found Joseph to be the most irritating person in the family. But after we learn this about Joseph... The author continues, and our author tells us that Joseph has this ability to read the future through dreams. He can read dreams, he can read the future, and Joseph has a dream himself. He dreams uh, of, of, of his, his brother's crops, his brother's harvest, and his own harvest. And in his dream, his brother's crops are bowing down to his own harvest. And then he has another dream where he's surrounded by the sun and the moon and the stars. And as the sun and moon and stars gather around Joseph, they all bow down before him. And as Joseph reads this dream, he reads the future in it. And he understands that one day his brothers will bow down before him. Joseph can read his dreams. He can read the future. But he can't read the room. Because then he tells his brothers... 
He runs to his brothers and he explains to them that one day they will all bow down before him. And as he reads the future in his dreams, he fails to read the expressions on their faces. And as they react, it's, it's something that is um, a, a complete and utter shock to no one in history except Joseph. They are so angry at Joseph, they decide they're going to get rid of him. And so uh, if, if this was a 15-week Bible study, we would look very closely at everything that happens next. It's not. It's a 15-minute sermon. So we're going to skip way ahead. And what happens next is Joseph ends up being uh, thrust into forced labor, torn away from his home, put into another country, and then it gets worse as he's accused of a crime he did not commit, and he finds himself without his family, without his friends, locked away in prison. This is what happens after Joseph tells the future. It's a pretty useless gift. And when his brothers find that Joseph is now cut off from the family, thrown in prison with no friends, no family, uh, no one that he knows or nothing to call his own, you can almost hear the echo of their voices saying, I bet you didn't see that one coming. Joseph is a man with a useless gift. But his story's not over yet. Uh, there's, there's more to come for Joseph. When he finds himself in prison, Joseph decides he's going to do the best he can to, to make the best of it. And he decides he's going to rebuild his life and he's going to make some friends. He makes friends with prisoners. He doesn't have a whole lot of other options. And he befriends the baker and the, the king's cupbearer in prison. And they get to know one another. And eventually they, they come to know Joseph's story. They know that he has this bizarre and useless gift. And uh, the baker and the cupbearer begin to have dreams themselves. And so they come to Joseph and they ask Joseph to interpret the dreams. And the baker explains his dream to Joseph. And Joseph then uh, peers into the details of this dream. And once again, God gives him a gift that he, he sees the future. Joseph sees what's going to happen to the baker. And we'll, again, skip the details. But what Joseph has to tell the baker is that it's not good news. He will not survive his imprisonment. And sure enough, Joseph is right. He's able to, to see the future, but he's not able to change it. He's, he's able to see what's, what's on the horizon, but he doesn't know how to get there. He's able to see what's, what's happening, but he doesn't know what to do in response. And Joseph watches as it all unfolds. And sure enough, the baker does not survive to be set free. But then there's the other dream from his other friend, the, the, the cupbearer. Again, we'll skip the details. But the cupbearer tells Joseph about his dream. And Joseph is, again, given this gift. He's able to see the future. And this time it's good news. And he explains to the cupbearer that he is going to be set free. And he's going to be restored to his former life. And so Joseph gives this wonderful news to the cupbearer. But again, as Joseph sees the future, he's not able to change it. He sees what's on the horizon, but he doesn't know how to get there. Joseph knows what's going to happen, but... He doesn't know what to do about it. And he watches as exactly what he saw comes to pass. The cupbearer is set free and returned to his former life. And as soon as the cupbearer gets out, after he's done this remarkable favor by Joseph, after Joseph shares this gift with the cupbearer, the first thing the cupbearer does, he forgets about Joseph completely for years and the cupbearer returns to his life with no notion of who Joseph is or who Joseph was or what happened to Joseph. And we end this part of Joseph's life exactly where we began it. He is alone in prison, far from his family, without a friend in the world. Joseph has a gift, and it seems to be pretty useless. As he 
foretells the future, it doesn't get Joseph anywhere at all. He can't change the future. He can't get to the horizon. He doesn't know how to respond to what will happen. He just sees what will be. But his story's not over. Not yet. See, there's this wonderful little phrase that comes in, uh, I believe it's in chapter 41, as uh, the cupbearer has been restored to his former life, and for years he's forgotten about Joseph until the king has bad dreams. And the cupbearer, at that point, he, he says, today I have been reminded And it's this wonderful passive phrase. He doesn't tell us who reminded him. We know who it was. As God brings Joseph back into the cupbearer's mind. And the cupbearer goes to the king and says, I met someone when I was in prison who had a very strange gift. And they bring Joseph to meet with the king. And that's when they have the conversation that began our sermon today. That's when Joseph interprets the dream for the Pharaoh. Joseph looks into the details of the Pharaoh's dream and he sees the future. He reads the future in Pharaoh's dream. But then, after he's done reading the future, like he's done so many times before, something changes. Joseph saw the future when he was a child, and it did him no good. Joseph saw the future for his friend the baker, and it did him no good. He saw the future for the cupbearer. It did him no good. He now sees the future for Pharaoh, but for the first time in his life, Joseph sees something else. Joseph sees tomorrow, but for the first time, Joseph sees the day around him. For the first time, Joseph sees what's happening around him. And as he looks ahead to the future, Joseph realizes that he can't change the future. That's not why he was given this gift. Joseph realizes for the first time that he is able to see the future, not to change the future, but to change the present. And he shifts in his discussion with the Pharaoh. And he says there are hard years to come, but we can prepare for them today. Tomorrow is going to be difficult, but if we do some work today, we'll be ready for it. There are lean years ahead, but if we, if we take the gifts we have right now and we begin to manage and prepare and give and share, when the hard days come, we will be ready. And for the first time, Joseph discovers that his vision of the future allows him to change not the future, but the present. For the first time, Joseph sees not only the horizon, but the steps he can take to get there. For the first time, Joseph sees not only what will happen, but how he can act in response. And Joseph discovers that his vision of the future is not about tomorrow, it's about today. And Joseph works with the Pharaoh. He, he points out all the gifts that surround them at that moment. He points out the abundance that they have in the crops and their leadership. And together they work to manage and prepare and give and share. So when those seven lean years come, and they do come, Joseph did not change the future. The hard years come. But when the hard years come, they're ready. They have all the gifts that they've been working together to save and to share. And suddenly, the place where Joseph is, the nation of Egypt, develops a reputation, even in the midst of scarcity, for abundance. And people flock to Egypt because of Joseph's work. And the people are able to eat and to survive because Joseph understood his vision of the future enabled him to change the present. And as people flocked to Egypt, Joseph saw familiar faces. As his own brothers came before him and bowed down in front of him. 
bringing us back to the story from the beginning of his life. Joseph was given a gift. And the wonderful thing about his gift was not that he could see the future. The the true gift was that Joseph could see the present. Joseph could see the gifts that surrounded him at that moment. And he saw that God was calling him to change the present to prepare for the future. Joseph then made a habit of this. This is what we read about in our Hebrews passage. If we go to the very last verses of Genesis, we find it happens again. God once again shows Joseph a vision of the future, a vision of the people leaving Egypt and going into a promised land. And Joseph realizes he won't be there with them, but he can't bear to miss it. So Joseph, he he leaves a will. And he leaves, in his will, he leaves directions so that he can be part of the adventure even if he won't be there himself. And Joseph realizes that he is able to see the future to change the present. Suddenly, everything changes for Joseph as his vision becomes clear. We, as a church, we are a people of vision. And we know what our vision is. As a church, we, we have a vision that, that we will be, be faithful as we proclaim and live the gospel in grateful response to God's love. This is who we, we say we want to be as a church, that we have a vision that God is making us into a church that is faithful as we proclaim and live the gospel. But a vision like that is useless if it's only about the future. A vision of the future is more useful when it changes the present. A vision of the horizon is most useful when we can see the steps to get there. A vision of what will happen is most useful when we know how to respond. We have a vision as a church of a community where no one has to worry about where their next meal will come from. But that vision is only useful if it changes our present. And today we work to feed our hungry neighbors. We have a vision of a church uh, that, that our community will be filled with young people who know that God loves them no matter what and that they are important. And that vision of a future where the young people in our neighborhood know how important they are, that vision only matters if it changes how we act in the present. This vision of tomorrow is only useful when it changes how we act and live today. Joseph had a gift, a vision for the future, and a vision of the future, it's actually, it's actually not that rare. And it's, it's not that useful. A vision of the future is only useful when it changes the present. Now, before we finish our story with Joseph, it's important that we point out a very important feature of his life. When Joseph first began to see the future, he was at home with his family with an abundance, everything he could possibly need, with safety and security. And in that moment, Joseph was powerless to change the present. But when everything in Joseph's life fell apart, and he was alone without his family, without his friends, suddenly, even in the midst of that tragedy, he was able to see the blessings of the present and to change the lives around him. And there's something about that that's... that's, Well, I see... The clock tells me that that's a sermon for another day. But Joseph is able to see the future and thus change the present. God is calling us to do the same. We are a people of vision. And God is calling us to use our vision for the future to change the present. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we ask that you would give us vision. We ask that you would give us a vision for what you are doing in our lives as individuals, as families, 
as a church and as a community, that you would show us not only what the future holds, but the blessings that the present holds, that you would show us how we can change the present through this vision of the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.